Hey everyone, Kylie here. Welcome to episode three of the Women's History Month Women in Sports podcast presented by Athletes for Hope. In this episode, you'll get to hear from professional softball player AJ Andrews and Black Girl Hockey Club founder Renee Hess. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. It is awesome, filled with laughs, stories, wisdom, you name it, they got it. Let me turn it over to AJ and Renee. Hey everybody, it's AJ Andrews. I am a professional softball player and I am so excited to be going live with Renee Hess, who is the founder of Black Girl Hockey Club. She's gonna be joining me today and we're just gonna talk all things women in sports, all things accomplishment, all things black women in sports and how it is that we can continue to grow in every avenue regardless of what it may be and see she's in here so let's jump on into it renee again i'm aj andrews professional softball player and i'll be speaking with renee yes hey beautiful hi that was fast (laughs) i know we figured it out quick I know, usually it takes a couple minutes to get stuff going. How are you doing this morning or this afternoon, AJ? It's, yeah, it's still morning for me. I'm good, though. How are you? You're in California, so it's morning. Yeah, it's morning for me, too. So I'm here with my beanie and my coffee, just snuggled up, ready to chit-chat with you. Yes. I want to just jump off and ask you, what was it that really pulled you to begin or to create and start Black Girl Hockey Club? Like, what was the defining moment that you said, this this needs to change, or I want this to happen, so I'm going to move forward? Well, honestly, I had been going to live hockey games, right? And I was going with my husband. Um, I have a couple friends who are local who are hockey fans, all of whom are white. And I would go to games and I would kind of look around the arena. And if you've ever been to a hockey game or, you know, a sport that is predominantly white, you go to the arena and you kind of play the, like, how many black people are here game. (laughs) You kind of take the faces in the stands. You're like, okay, I see some. Well, I would go to hockey games and I would hardly ever, I can remember one time, um, seeing a black woman at the game and I would never see black women at hockey games except if they worked there right like they worked at the arena and I sometimes I would see black guys there you know with their friends or whatever but never black women and so I went on social media um, on Twitter and I was like are there you know black women hockey fans out there where are you um, I started doing some research about it. I discovered Blake Bolden, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and I started gathering together on social media Black women um, hockey fans. And we decided we were going to go to a hockey game together. It was the best, you know, the best next step. And like you said, I'm on the West Coast. I'm in California. We have three hockey teams in California, but it doesn't really feel like a hockey place, right? The palm trees and the constant sunshine kind of detract from that. And so we decided to go see a hockey game on the East Coast. And as we were kind of, you know, picking and choosing where we would go, um, the 
the Washington Capitals had just won the cup with two black players and they have two black minority owners. So Ted Leonisis is very famous for owning the Capitals and the Mystics, but he also um, shares ownership for the Capitals with two black folks, uh, Sheila Johnson and Earl Stafford, which I didn't know. I'm like, there's a black woman that owns part of a hockey team. We got to go out there, right? So I, I reached out to some colleagues that I have in DC and I was like, you know, can you help me find some folks to go to a hockey game together, some black women? And we gathered together about 45 black women, their kids, their husbands, their grandmas, and we went to go see a Washington Capitals game. And AJ, I remember sitting there in the locker room because after the game, we were lucky enough to go down to the Mystics locker room um, and meet some of the players of the Washington Capitals, including their two black players, which was dope. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching all these black women and their kids playing ball hockey, you know, on the ground. And they're all hyped after, you know, not just uh, experiencing a hockey game, but coming together in this really like culturally profound moment where we're finding out that there are indeed 45 other, at least, right, 45 other Black women, friends and family who are hockey fans, hockey moms, hockey players. And I realized it, they, they started coming up to me individually and being like, oh, you know, thank you so much for putting this together. Um, I had no idea that there was other Black women who were into hockey. And I heard this multiple times that night, and I started realizing, you know, this could be something more than just a fan club. This could be something where Black women come together. And you know what happens when Black women come together? We make moves, you know, we, we do things. And so, you know, Black Girl Hockey Club was kind of born out of that desire to build community, to unite the Black voices in hockey, because it seemed to me that none of us knew the other ones existed, right? And that is detrimental to the movement of, you know, um, equity in hockey, because it kind of makes folks feel like we're unicorns when we're really not. You know, there's there's Black hockey fans, there's been Black folks involved in hockey since before the NHL even existed. There's, uh, you know, there's so much rich history there with Black people and hockey. It felt really necessary to focus that energy, but specifically for Black women, because, you know, in hockey, it's all about the dudes, right? We've got the NHL the guys league you know it's it's always all about the guys and you know there's documentaries out there on black men hockey players there's books out there on black male hockey players but there's hardly any information about the black women and so i want to do something to change that you know i want i want to get our voices together i want to talk about it i want to you know, bring this to the attention of the hockey community. And while we're at it, why don't we just, you know, shift hockey culture to be more inclusive? Because like I said, when black women get together, we make moves. <laughs> we make moves, we make things shake. I think that that is, that's so cool that you recognize that there's a problem somewhere and then you just immediately took action. Was it hard to get started? Was it easy? What was kind of the process of this is this is what needs to happen and this is how I'm gonna create it? 
You know what? It took me about a year to actually commit to the idea of Black Girl Hockey Club becoming a nonprofit organization, um, which we are. We filed for federal nonprofit status in states um, at the end of 2019. But all of 2019, after that Capitals game, I kind of um, deliberated, you know, what, what was our mission going to be? What was, what kind of programming would we do? H how could I, you know, with a full-time job that I do have still run a nonprofit from the ground up? This is a completely grassroots organization, you know? And I talked to a bunch of people, got together some amazing women to be on our board of directors, and we just went for it, you know, and we kicked it off with a scholarship program, um, which has been our most successful program so far. Uh, we've been able to give away, let's see, seven plus four, that's 11, 12 scholarships so far since we became a nonprofit. And it's, it's just really good to be able to um, make a dent in some of the gatekeeping that happens in hockey for people of color, uh, at least financially. And, you know, it's, it wasn't an easy process. There's so much paperwork involved. And I mean, it's running, you're running a business, you know, this is a business um, trying to figure out exactly where we're going to fit in, in hockey. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were like, I'm so surprised that nothing like this existed before. And I'm like, so am I, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of where it came from. It, it, nothing like this really existed before. And I think, you know, in hindsight, it was good timing because as we, you know, came into COVID last um, spring, you know, as we, uh, as the Black Lives Matter movement started picking up steam in the summer after the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor um, and Ahmaud Arbery and Jacob Blake, uh, it, it was good to have this community um, already kind of created, right, and, and unified in such a way where uh, we were able to come together, uh, talk about social justice issues, um, spend some self-care time together, uh, learn uh, and, and laugh and, and just enjoy each other's company because, you know, we're not able to get out to the games. We're not able to get out anywhere. And so it's been really fulfilling to be able to um, connect in that way, even digitally right now, um, like we're doing just, you know, having conversations uh, and getting to know people over the last year um, that we've been stuck inside. So it hasn't been easy, but it's definitely been worth it. Um, to to go through all of this and to to build something hopefully that's sustainable um, for a long time to come. Yeah, I think that as what you're speaking to with everything that took place this time last year, beginning with the deaths of so many black people and the injustice that was that had been happening for many years, but also definitely came to a head for many other individuals this past spring. I think. For me personally, it was definitely a time where I felt I played softball. And so I'm primarily one or one of two Black athletes on a softball team, if that, right? And so I'm very alone at times and just and alone in a sense of shared experiences, right? There's a lot of individuals yeah. who simply won't understand what it is I'm going through. 
but I had hoped, you know, being on certain teams that from the experiences, these would be people that would be willing to listen, would be willing to have my back in any instance, because in my mind, if I were them and it was opposite, I'm like, AJ, whatever you need, like, if we're doing this, we're doing that, like, I got you. And it was quite the opposite a little bit. You know, I mm -hmm. had some push and it felt very lonely, very lonely. And for you to talk about having the opportunity to have created Black Girl Hockey, Hockey Club in the midst of everything, what was the response you saw of being able to have somewhere to go and to feel listened to, supported, and simply just not alone? <laughs> You know, <laughs> I feel for you, AJ, because I know that feeling of being alone in a sport and just kind of feeling like you don't, you love something that maybe it doesn't love you back. You're kind of isolated culturally. And that was, you know, the whole reason um, Black Girl Hockey Club came into existence was because I was lonely, you know, and to be able to exist in multiple spaces um, as a Black woman, as a hockey fan, you know, this was, it was a game changer, uh, I think for me, but also for a lot of other black women and so the response from them um was incredibly positive you know just to be able to have this space to be a hundred percent yourself um you know there's i always tell people that you don't have to be black and you don't have to be a woman to be part of the black girl hockey club you just have to support black women you have to support our mission and our mission is black women and so we have so many over, over the last year we've um incorporated so many co-conspirators you know allies who want to uplift the message uplift the vision of what we're doing who want to support black women and who who authentically want to learn how to be better you know who who have taken the 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 time that we've been inside for the last year you know the the way things have been so drastically different and actually taken the chance to to learn and to read and to communicate about these issues that unfortunately so many non-bipoc folks just don't think about right because they don't have to but that's been really interesting to kind of see is the support from non-black people and you know the the fact that we've got so many amazing you know athletes and media folk and you know fans that are that work in all demographics um i i think that's really cool because it gives us an infrastructure and a base um to build on you know and and i always say like we getting getting more voices together is only going to make us stronger right like gathering that community um is only going to make us stronger and one thing that has been really cool over the last couple of months is being able to work with uh, black women athletes in other sports like i love that i think it's really amazing that i'm getting to talk to you and you play softball you know and you're very active in your community and i mean you're a woman of firsts 
right? I, I've been doing my reading too. And like I, the way that I was introduced to you was through your, oh, no big deal, PBS documentary, right? <laughs> uh, knocking down the fences. When did that come out and how did that come about? Yeah, that came out, I believe it was 2018. It was distributed around and yeah, it was really great opportunity to share my story and just kind of the discrepancies you see, especially in pay with softball players, baseball players, and also just what it is that I have to do and a lot of other softball players have to do in order to maintain and just a little bit about, as you said, the first, right, me being a woman and that won, the first woman to win the long school of love. Yeah, there's some people that probably have no idea, right? Because that lack of media, that lack of attention, it just is not shared with women in sports as much as it is with men. And it's very upsetting and it's sad because there's so many women that are doing amazing things and you just never know about it. And, and isn't it so mm-hmm. much they have a documentary that you can get to learn about it. And, you know, I think it's something that, should have been on your radar if the media you know cared and recognized women in sports a little bit more to to be able to celebrate women in sports the way they deserve to be celebrated especially black women in sports we're doing such cool cool especially black women in sports you you kind of glossed over the fact that you're the first women to woman to win the Rawlings Golden Glove. Tell us, what, what is this? What, what is this Golden Glove nonsense? Yes, Tell yes. us about it. So it is not, yeah. I play in the grass, not on ice. So just, it's definitely a different <laughs> scenery. I tried to go on the ice with Blake Bolden a few, like a couple months ago. And that's a whole different ball game. Like, whole different ball game. Anyway, out on the grass. And so when you're winning a gold glove, it had been given to Major League Baseball players for 59 years prior to 2016 when I won. And it is given to the best defensive performer on the field. And so for baseball, every position gets one. So you'd be the best right fielder in Major League Baseball and you get a gold glove. Center, short, second, goes on. And But in softball, they did not give it to every position. They only gave it to one overall. So it's even twice as cool because I just was the best defender, period, you know, in the whole league, not just the best center fielder, right fielder, left fielder. And so, yeah, you know, I think that that is the the greatness of that award. You know, it's something that if you were to talk to a young baseball player in Little League or anything like that, they're going to tell you that they want to be a gold lover one day, right? It's something that baseball players aspire to do, aspire to achieve. And But prior to 2016, you would never hear a – young girls saying that so I for me the most exciting factor is that now that narrative can change and now young girls can see themselves in positions that they never had before which is also what you are doing (laughs) that's amazing AJ I just you know I might be late to the party but congratulations that is definitely a barrier broken uh, which is the name of your podcast, it right? Bro- breaking Barriers. You I keep talking about Blake Bolden. So cool. It has like all Look the at that. Black and Magic. Mellow Wind. Oh, Mellow Wind. And then the last one, because BBW is Barry Breaking Women. So I like my girls, BBW. I love it. BBW. Shout out to Drake. I love that. You know, I'm always looking for places that have 
amazing black art and you know like script really yeah yeah what's up mom talented she's super talented i know she's so great I love that. I know, like, over over the summer, there was a huge surge in, like, Black shop, like, Black-owned shops getting business and stuff like that, and so that's been really cool to see my friends and, and people I know um, looking for and buying more, you know, Black-owned business stuff, and I know that I've been doing that, too, just trying really hard to spend my money, like, be conscious where I'm spending my money, you know, because I think that that is one thing that we can all do um, whenever we're thinking about how to support black, the black community and, and various black communities is be conscious of where you're spending your money, you know? And I know over the summer, there were so many corporate messages about supporting this and standing up for that. But in reality, you know, um, those are corporate messages. <laughs> and so I, I love to see some of them. <laughs> right oh my gosh don't even get me into some of them you're you're like wait did marie calendars just put out a message supporting black lives okay i can dig it i suppose um that's how the whole summer was right um but i i mean yeah it's nice to see the support but i i explicitly love um being able to financially support um, black organizations and and local black businesses uh, is something that I've been working really hard to do myself because I don't think I was always conscious of it, you know. Um, so I love seeing the 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 black made art on your wall, even if it is like incredibly local, like like so niche local that it's your mom. <laughs> yeah, I keep telling her she should sell her stuff, but she's you know she's too nice. So if you guys just DM me, she probably would make you one. <laughs> to send out like she's she's too nice but yeah you hinted i love it very breaking women which is my podcast so everyone should go listen it's where i'm talking to black brown women of color all minority women in and around sports that are achieving major things breaking barriers but also speaking on the unique challenges that they had to go through in order to achieve those amazing successes that you know typically a lot of our counterparts, white counterparts do not have to endure and or sometimes don't understand. You know, I think it's a great opportunity to have a new perspective of black and brown women in and around sports and how to continue to be a better ally, but also just to hear their stories because they're all so amazing. Yeah, and I know you had Blake Bolden on your podcast, which is amazing. We love Blake. No, she was your first guest? She's my first guest, first episode. Oh, how did that happen? How did how did that relationship happen between you and Blake? Honestly, me and Blake met, I don't know, it, it was a few years ago. I, I won something or maybe I went somewhere and she just DM'd me and congratulated me and said she loves what I'm doing, you know, for softball. And then I looked into Blake, I'm like, I love what you're doing for hockey. Let's be friends. And so we became friends and we just kind of kept communication back and forth over the years. And then I went to California in November to do some couple things for work. And so I was able to meet up with her and talk just all things, hockey, softball, 
and I, I'm looking at what is the podcast called again? It's called Barrier Breaking Women. And actually, my next episode is Allie Riley, who is a soccer player, and she is an Asian American. And so it is going to be great to speak with her and hear her perspective on everything that we don't talk about too many things that's happened recently, but I do believe that she is a great advocate and someone that is really breaking barriers in the space that she is currently an athlete. That's amazing. And so you said that you got on the ice with Blake. Yeah, that I got go? on the ice with Blake and that was absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know. And you know, I don't think I'm a bad ice skater. Like I can go on <laughs> and I can, I can do it. You know what I mean? But yeah, if you guys want to check out how that went, you can but go to my Instagram. Blake Bolden. Uh, yeah, You're no Blake Bolden. Blake Bolden. I am not the Jackie Robinson of ice hockey. I do not have the hardest slap shot. I, you know, I did not play on USA team. I am not nowhere near Blake Bolden, not even close. But she showed me, she tried to help me become like 2% like her. <laughs> I think I only got to one, Just but two. she tried to help me get 2%. And, um, you know, it was, it was a really cool experience. If you guys want to watch a little bit of that video, it's on my Instagram page, AJ underscore Andrews underscore. You see how great Blake is and you'll see how not great I am. So it's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blake is amazing. When we, a couple years ago, so after we went to D.C., we, we immediately planned a second trip, our second Black Girl Hockey Club meetup, and we ended up going to Nashville, Tennessee to go see the Nashville Predators, but also they had a doubleheader, the NWHL at the time, um, at the time, everybody was playing for the NWHL. Now, the NWHL is one thing, and then there's the PWHPA, which is another thing. But at the time, they were all playing together. And so they were having their all-star game in Nashville. We ended up going down to Nashville to go see a doubleheader, and we got to see the women's all-star game. And on the Saturday night before the All-Star game, they had the skills competition. And we got to see Blake Bolden because, of course, you know, we're there. There was maybe like 15 or 20, not as many as in D.C. But we go to the skills competition, which is in a local rink. It's not in the big, you know, professional hockey arena, but it's in their local practice rink. And you see, like, in the corner of the arena, just a group of black women cheering our heads off for Blake, who is, you know, the only black player on the ice. And she comes out, and we're like, Blake! And she hits, like, Blake! And that day, she got the hardest shot. You yeah. know, her shot is ridiculous. This woman can play. Like, she can play, you know? And she she's an amazing woman. Um, it, she was kind enough to join us uh, when we had our first meetup in California. Finally, we did that um, at the end of 2019. We went to go see a Kings game together. And Blake drove up from San Diego to Staples Center to go see a game with us. And lo and behold, she gets to meet one of the owners of the Los Angeles Kings. And next thing I know, she's working for the Kings. And I'm like, this woman can do everything. Like truly, she is just definitely a barrier breaker, definitely a trailblazer. 
Um, and we're so lucky. Black Girl Hockey Club is just so lucky to have her in our corner. She's always, you know, um, gassing us up and, and talking good about us. And it's just been really cool to know her and to see her um, evolve from, you know, playing in the NWHL to playing overseas, working for the NHL, and just really um, stepping into the role of, like you said, being the Jackie Robinson of women's hockey in the United States. It's it's pretty amazing uh, to to have to kind of see her history like unfolding right now. You know, to be able to to step back and to watch it because you know, in 10 or 20 years, people are going to be talking about how, you know, what a trailblazer Blake Bolton was, at, you know, what a trailblazer she, she, she was and how much she accomplished. And it's really cool to be able to kind of watch that unfold right now. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Because she's been, she's been kicking butt for years. And I feel like now she's starting to get her flowers. And people are really starting to recognize everything that she's done, how amazing she is. Uh-oh, Renee. Well, again, I'm talking with Renee, has from Black Girl Hockey Club. I know a lot of you amazing, 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 amazing people are listening to us talk about Blake Bolden, who was the, we call her Jackie Robinson of ice hockey because she's the first black woman to compete in the NWHL and she also is the first i know are you able to log off and come back on renee maybe if you like exit out and then i can request you again to get back on yeah perfect and then blake i got to work with blake so she again was on my podcast called barrier breaking women where she discusses her journey to being one of or the only the first black girl to play in the NWHL, as well as now being the first black woman to be an NHL scout, which is absolutely insane and amazing. Renee, I just tried to add you again, if you want to send me a request, see if you can jump back on here. But then I, once I got to speak with Blake, I also got to work with her on the ice. And after working with her on the ice, I learned why it is she is so amazing. I, I stick to cleats and grass, and I had to get on, put on a skate and get on some slick ice. Very, very new for me. But yes, again, hope everyone can w listen to the podcast. Again, a great perspective of so many different women of color. Again, black, brown, minority women, all in and around sports, not just athletes, some Women are the coaches, some women are running teams. It really is a great opportunity to, oh, so she's unable to join. Yeah, so I'll show you guys my wall real fast. So Barrier Breaker, so my podcast is called Barrier Breaking Women, and so it is, I like my girls BBW, a little Drake notch. The future is female, but you know, I think I need to revamp that because the present is female. And then just a beautiful picture beautiful shades of different women black girl magic mellow win and empowered women empower the world it is a fact melanin and then i have some oh and then this is a picture of me when i won the gold glove soup's cute and so i'm hoping that oh okay she just requested let's get back on there and talk with renee some more 
just loving this conversation. Oh, I hope it loads in. Yeah, this conversation has been truly informative and amazing. Ah, yeah, you're back. <laughs> Hello? Breaking up a little bit. Okay, you're back. It's stalling a little bit. Oh no. Renee? You think after a year, technology would be nice to us, but still is doing what it wants. Black Girl Hockey Club, talking all things women in sports, especially Black women in sports, how it is that we are, even though we don't see our faces in a lot of spaces, we are creating those spaces for ourselves. That's exactly what Renee has done with Black Girl Hockey Club, creating a space that was never made before for Black women who love hockey, want to be around and in hockey, and I share quite similar experience being a professional softball player where I am typically one of the only black athletes on a team. I have been ever since I first started playing softball. And there are instances and times where I have felt very alone. There are instances and times where I have felt like not, no one really understands me or what I'm going through. And you would hope that girls that you go to, to war with on the field every day are people that would go to war with you in your life every single day. And it's sad to say that sometimes that just isn't the case. And I didn't realize that until honestly this past year. But I think that those experiences and those circumstances are why it is so important to have these conversations and why it is so important to create spaces like Black Girl Hockey Club in order for especially young Black girls, especially young Black women of color to feel seen, heard, and appreciated. Renee, you're back and you, it looks good. There we go. Good. Can you hear me? It looks good. You look good. You're not stalling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Telling you, my internet is the worst. <laughs> it's all good. You warned me about it before, so I was, I was prepared. I had to. I yeah. already knew. It was going to do me dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you were going so good for so long, too. Yeah, it was, it was meant, it was too good to be true is what it was. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> I love your beanie. Oh, yes. Isn't this awesome? This is a co-branded effort between the Seattle Kraken and Black Girl Hockey Club. It is incredibly warm, maybe a little too for California, but I don't care. I love it. I love the colors because the pink matches the pink. And, you know, it's, I think you can buy it in store. Um, I don't think you can get it online just yet. Uh, and they were limited, limited edition. So. Uh, you're exclusive. <laughs> I mean, you know, not, not to brag or anything, but yeah. <laughs> exclusive <laughs> but yes i love that someone asked what advice we would both give to young black girls trying to make their mark in sports where they don't see themselves in often so you know i would say i think i was actually watching your podcast with blake yesterday 
And she said something um, along the lines of continuing to be yourself mm-hmm. uh, is incredibly important when you're, you're in a space that is, you know, outside of your comfort zone, I suppose. And so, and that would go for, you know, if you're working in an office or you're uh, in higher education or, you know, in sports. And so, you know, I would say don't lose yourself. Uh, Continue to be exactly who you are, but also, you know, surround yourself with people who support you and who love you and who care about you. Um, you know, having uh, a good circle of friends who you can, you know, vent to and talk with and learn from, I think is so important. I have like a great group of women who, you know, I surround myself with who build me up and, and uh, support me in the things that I do. And I think that that's really important because especially if you're a minority in um, a sport that is traditionally not for minorities, um, you're going to come across all sorts of obstacles, you know, whether it's uh, racism or sexism, if you're a woman, um, misogyny, uh, also, you know, um, homophobia, And so that, no matter how hard we work, you know, in this, how, no matter how, how hard Black Girl Hockey Club works or how hard you work, AJ, it's going to be there, right? Um, Until it's completely eradicated uh, from our world, racism and white supremacy is going to be there. And so I would say, you know, having people that you can lean on and who can pick up the slack when you're tired, you know, that you can pass the baton to and say, okay, it's your turn because I'm taking, you know, a spa weekend or whatever. (laughs) I think that that's really important. And that makes it makes it um, doable, right? Because um, anti-racism work, especially as a black woman, it's constant. It's lifelong. It's never ending. We can't just take off our skin and be like, okay, well, I don't want to talk about Black issues today, right? Because your skin is an issue. Your skin is revolutionary. Your skin is, you know, um, you can't you can't hide who you are and you shouldn't have to. Um, but having folks who are around you, who uh, support you, building a community um, is going to be your saving grace, I think. Uh, and also, you know, I mentioned self-care definitely taking care of yourself uh because um this work it is lifelong and it's it's thankless sometimes you know and it kind of feels like you're um taking two steps forward and one step back a lot of the time and so you know taking a break and being conscious of your physical and emotional and spiritual needs i think it's really important and it's helped me a lot in the last year Um, just taking care of my mental and, you know, taking care of my mental health and going to talk therapy and taking breaks, uh, you know, being conscious of what my um, emotional needs are has helped me kind of keep going. 
uh, when the going gets rough, I think. And so I, I would say that for, for girls, um, black girls who are trying to break into sport or marginalized folks trying to break into sport, having a community um, around you of people that you trust and who care about you and also just taking care of yourself. And, and keeping an eye on what, what your needs are. Because I think a lot of times, um, Black women especially push ourselves, you know, push ourselves and push ourselves. And the world really wants us to keep giving, right? Um, to, to, give, to give book book recommendations and to educate on racism and to talk on panels and, you know, to do Instagram lives. Like the world will always ask us to give our labor. And so I think us keeping an eye on each other and taking care of ourselves is, it's, it's um, one of the most important things you can do to keep up with this type of work, you know? Yeah, and, and be unapologetic about it. I think one of my favorite quotes, or I don't remember where I read it, may have, may have been on Twitter, but it was just saying how someone's calling, it's like, hey, I'm sorry, I won't be able to make it today. And then suddenly you go, oh no, why, what's wrong? It's like, oh, I just don't want to come. <laughs> I actually just, I'm taking a day for myself. Nothing's wrong. I just don't want to go. And you know, being unapologetic about your needs first. But I think also to your point when you spoke about Blake, and when I asked her, I asked her a question of, for young Black girls that want to be in your space, that want to excel at different levels in hockey, but don't necessarily, or, ha or understand that they're going to have to face racism or ignorant people, how can they navigate those experiences in order to reach success? And Blake's response, as what Renee said, was, just be yourself. Don't try to become something else. Don't try to transform don't try to abide by their rules or adjust yourself to what it is that their standards are. Always be yourself, be authentic. And that is how you navigate those spaces. And, you know, I think that while it may sound simple, right, it is sometimes the hardest thing to do yeah. to just hundred percent be yourself. And especially when you are the only one, whether you're a woman or you're a black person or you're a black woman in a space, you sometimes feel like you have to conform in order to, fit in or for people to treat you properly. And, you know, I think her words of advice were amazing and, and necessary as to, in order to reach success, to be the outlier, to be that person that is doing what I'm doing, right? I've navigated everything by just being myself and never trying to change regardless of who it was I encountered. So I think to the question that someone asked about how to get into those spaces, be 100% unapologetically you. And you are Black, be unapologetically Black, be unapologetically beautiful, be unapologetically talented, be unapologetic. Don't say, you know, sometimes I think people have these ideas of Black people in general are just naturally athletic. No, I've worked for this, right? This is something I put in a lot of time for, and I deserve every flower that is thrown my way. Thank you. Yes, girl, say that. <laughs> say that say that. So you are um, incredibly athletic and have worked really hard for all your success. What have you been doing in the last year? Have you been playing? Have you been training? Have you been at home on the couch like the rest of us? <laughs> yeah, no, I've been training. So my season never really, it doesn't necessarily stop. So we played in the summer. So springtime, pandemic hit and everyone had to be in the house. My worst nightmare happened with gyms closing. Oh. 
I like I like ran to Walmart to buy weights and those were almost out and you know I'm just I'm driving nuts going driving me nuts and so have a couple weights at my house was working out by myself creating different workouts for myself actually started abs with AJ on my Instagram for those they were looking to continue on their workout journey even though a lot of things were kind of trying to stop them no excuses is what I would call it and yeah just continue to move forward because my season was still going to be in the summer and you know that's when a lot of things went to a head I met had a lot of realizations with teammates that I didn't know would you know take place um, but then again played in August as well with another season and that ran into September and that organization athletes unlimited was very supportive of black voices and our storytelling and so really appreciative to them and all that they were able to provide to the minority women women of color that were a part of that league and then after that just I took a couple months off I actually had to get surgery which sucks but mm -hmm. so then I had then I was forced to take weeks off and for any athlete time off is just the worst thing ever yeah. you just want to get out and go do something but can't so yeah just been training and while I couldn't prepare physically just preparing myself mentally yeah I think um you touched on something and I don't want to like call anybody out but you touched on something about the workplace right and having maybe some uh conversations that you weren't expecting with co-workers teammates and then moving to a different organization where it was more open and um more supporting and somebody in the chat asked about advice on having courage to report issues in the workplace and you know i was just wondering if you had any advice for people whether you know they're on the receiving end of you know racist or misogynistic or homophobic comments or if they're um witnessing stuff like that uh what would do you have any advice for um our our audience member who asked this question yeah you know i think that for me it it can feel very isolating to bring about these issues when it seems as if no one else is. And for me though, it was kind of a balance of what is more important and I'm going to use my voice, right? You will not silence me and I will not remain silent about things that matter to me because at the end of the day, this is affecting not just me, but so many individuals. I remember getting all these DMs of young girls and their parents telling me or thanking me for using my voice and saying different things because their child or they were experiencing the same thing and it gave them the courage to then make change. I don't think we all often understand the domino effect of our actions and how sometimes we feel like we're only impacting our lives or we're trying to make a change for us. But in reality, we're setting the stage for a new standard. We're setting the stage for individuals to have the courage to come out as well. And when enough people come out and enough people say something against something, it changes, right? We saw that with this. There's so many companies, I'm sure, had no intentions of putting out a statement. But because the pressure was on, right, they had to, yeah. right? It was pushed there. And I think that is the power of using your voice unapologetically, loudly, and with no remorse, right? Something that's going to take place that you feel is wrong. Chances are there's a lot of other people that feel it's wrong as well. They just don't have the courage at that point to speak on it. And so, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to be the first, but oh, it's so rewarding. And I think that 
in your mind, just understanding that it's more than just you. And for me, I think that's what helps. It's bigger than just me. I am doing this because it's affecting me. I don't appreciate it. I don't like it. But I also mm -hmm. know how this is going to help other people, especially young athletes that are in the same circumstances, have the courage to make a change in their establishments. And, you know, I would add on to that is if you're a non-BIPOC person and you're seeing something like this or, or you're witnessing, you know, incidents of racism or homophobia or misogyny or sexism or whatever, um, my dogs are barking, uh, to, to not only be brave, but realize that you can't always wait for the person of color to speak up. Because a lot of times in our workplaces, you know, we've been conditioned to not speak up and to, to let so much slide. And so if you're an ally, be a co-conspirator, you know, um, stand up for the people of color on your teams and in your committees and uh, that are sitting around the table with you. Because a lot of times um, allies may be waiting for somebody, for somebody of color, right, to say something. They're like, oh, well, is, is, it isn't my place because I'm not black, so I shouldn't talk about these things. But when you look around at your team, if you're, you know, it's 10 people and only one is a person of color, then, you know, the expectations are that that person's going to conform, that person's going to, you know, um, sit back and do what makes the other nine people feel more comfortable. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time telling uh, white folks in hockey to be brave and to speak up and to take the initiative to do something about it, but also to have the, the wherewithal to step aside and amplify black voices when that time is right. Because I think a lot of times, you know, uh, people get caught up. They're so afraid of being canceled, right? That they don't they don't want to even start the conversation because they're afraid they might say the wrong thing. And, you know, I think that we all say the wrong thing sometimes. We all mess up. We make mistakes. But the thing about anti-racism work is that it's never ending, right? And so you make a mistake. Uh, if you're if you're white, you can just kind of be like, oh, that was hard. I messed up. I don't want to do this anymore. And you can turn away from that work. Yeah. But, you know, that's not the kind of co-conspirators that we need. We need somebody who, if they do screw up, they own it, they fix it, and they keep going. Because that's, you know, that's what we need. That's the, the kind of allies that we want in this in this movement. And so, you know, talking to, to folks uh, non- non-black people and just telling them, you know, be brave, be courageous, uh, use your moral compass. Uh, and, and, you know, when you see something, say something and not just one time, but every time until things get changed. Uh, in Black Girl Hockey Club, we talk, uh, we have an advocacy campaign called the Get Uncomfortable uh, campaign. And we created a pledge that folks can go and look at and read through and sign. Uh, and it really focuses, it's, it's meant more for, I would say, non-BIPOC folks who, you know, folks who are interested in um, anti-racism work, but they're not of color. And it, but I mean, of course, there's always a space for folks of color to participate, but we're already uncomfortable. We don't necessarily need to get more uncomfortable. This is for our, our, um, our allies and our co-conspirators. And, you know, how are you going to address racism 
on and off the ice. And right now we have 5,000 signatures. We're coming on five months of having this pledge active. And we've been lucky enough to have, you know, people who work in hockey, people who um, cover hockey in the media, people who are fans, uh, people who are, you know, represent some of the professional teams taking up this pledge to disrupt racism. And it's been really cool to see the support that we've gotten on it. Um, we've got professional teams who've signed on, like the Seattle Kraken, um, like the Washington Capitals, Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, there's so many teams who have come out and said that, you know, we're down for this cause. You know, we support this mission. Um, we want to disrupt racism. And so I think that that's just a first step, right? Saying that you're anti-racist is just the first step. The next step is to actually do something about it. And, um, you know, listening and learning, reading and, and researching is great, but action steps need to happen, you know? And that means that you've got to address the hiring disparities in your company, in your jobs, in your sport, right, in the, in the front office as much as on the field or on the ice. Um, you've got to address the wage gaps, right? You were, you were talking about that um, at the very beginning of this conversation, uh, how your, the um, knock down the fences addresses the wage gap between softball players uh, and baseball players. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, things like that, um, people with power, people in positions of power, they could be doing something about that. Um, even if you got a little bit of power, you know, use it uh, to be more anti-racist and to make your organization more anti-racist uh, in whatever capacity you can. And it's just about thinking, I think thinking outside of the box, you know, thinking differently about uh, how, who you hire, who you bring into the company, um, the policies that you're creating, who's protected under those policies. I think those are some of the things that, you know, we're Black Girl Hockey Club is starting to think about for the future of hockey so that we can make a tangible change. And we're not just, you know, a, a flash in the pan, you know, getting a lot of great press right now and then not really doing anything about it later. Um, this is something that is supposed to be long-term and sustainable for not just the sport of hockey, but all sports, right? All, all of our institutions uh, need this culture shift. And I think that who better to lead the way than Black women, right? Couldn't have said it better myself. I love everything that you are doing, everything Black Girl Hockey is doing. And to touch on everything you said, it's not enough to be non-racist. You have to be actively anti-racist. And that means putting things into play. This has been an amazing conversation, Renee. Absolutely love talking with you. Would love to get you on my podcast. A very Let's do it, girl. Let's do it. <laughs> and again, thank you everyone for joining. This was honestly so great. I would love to do this again and appreciate your time. And if you can help me learn more about hockey, as far as my first experience on this, wasn't bad, but I'm competitive and I want to be better. So. <laughs> I got you, sis. I got you. I got you. Thank you, Renee. I'll talk to you soon. All right, AJ. Have a good one. You too. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey everyone, Kylie here. Thank you so much for listening and special thank you to AJ and Renee for their time and their words and their wisdom. As always, 
Let's quickly recap the ways that AJ and Renee said that you can support women in and out of sports. Number one, support local businesses owned and run by black women. Number two, listen to AJ's podcast, Barrier Breaking Women, and watch the documentary about her, Knocking Down the Fences. Number three, support with your time or your money, Black Girl Hockey Club, and take the Get Uncomfortable Pledge. Number four, amplify the voices of black women on your team, in your sport, and those in sports media. Number five, support black women by being anti-racist. And lastly, number six, make sure you take the necessary action steps to address the hiring disparities and wage gaps in your community. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon on episode four.